Luke chapter 4, verses 2, 1, if you will please. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit unto the wilderness. And let me just say this quickly about that and I'll not be, commentate on every verse. But now when I get in Sunday school, I love doing that, okay? You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is filled with the Spirit of God? That the Holy Ghost is indwelling in Him. And you ask that question, well, why on earth would He need to be filled with the Spirit? Isn't Jesus Christ a part of the Godhead? Is He not God Himself? Absolutely. But you understand, He's here on earth. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And here He is and presents Himself as a man just like you. A man just like me. Probably my height, I've often thought. I mean, it was a Jew, okay? And uh, Jesus was 100% what? God. And he was 100% man. And I'm thankful to fully understand that Jesus walked where we walk. He experiences what you and I experience. And Jesus Christ can relate. He can understand. You say, oh, but Brother Sloan, he never committed one sin. You're exactly right. He was sin free when he hung on that cross and died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. And you say he did it because he was God. Yes, he was God. But yes, he was man. And he was tempted in all points such as you and I. And this passage proves that. It tells that. We understand that. And he was successful. He was victorious, never sinning one time, but he was faced with the sins in every category, just like you and I experience all the time. And he goes on to say, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended after, afterward, he hungered, I reckon so. 40 days without food, incredible. I go four days without food and I'm incredibly hungry. How many of you, just curious, have ever fasted for seven days? Just curious. All right, I'll say a few hands here and there. Okay. The longest I ever fasted was for 15 days. Praying about the will of God. Seeking some things that I needed to do in my life. I'd never fasted that long before. It was not unusual to fast three days and then built up and sometimes even went a week. But one time I fasted for 15 days trying to find the perfect will of God. And what I chose to do was to not deny food. I drank liquid. I drank water. Occasional glass of tea. But I fasted and prayed, asking God to direct and lead me. I got my answer to prayer. I understood the direction of the Lord. It benefited me. Now, I'm a diabetic. 
It's not healthy for a diabetic to continue to practice that type of thing. So therefore I do not for health reasons, but I fast other things. And our pastor is good to teach us, to tell us there are other ways to fast and other things to deny yourself of. And I do practice those things other than fasting from food. But Jesus had fasted for some 40 days. And the Bible goes on to say, And the devil said unto him, If thou will be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high place or a high mountain, showed uh, unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Uh, I give it uh, to you. And then verse 7, And if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall thine, or all shall be thine. And what did Jesus reply again? The exact answer. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give us angels, he, will, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He was that bold. The devil was that bold that he would tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. It is amazing to me that the devil would think he could take on the precious Son of God and tempt him. But he did. And you notice and you see here all the different categories and the facets of how you and I both can be tempted, and yet Jesus Christ came through successfully. Years ago, a football coach by the name of Daryl Royal, he made this quote, when you throw, when the quarterback throws a pass, three things can happen, two of which are bad, not good. And you know what they would be, he could throw a pass and the player could miss it, not catch it. That's bad. What's worse? He could throw that ball and the receiver not catch it, but the defense did, and that's an interception. And then the third thing 
is that the ball could be caught by the intended receiver. In the battle with temptation, people try to conquer temptation three ways. They try to conquer it, and two of the three are bad. They either give in, or they try to fight it with their own strength, or they wisely decide, I'm going to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. To give in, some people aren't bothered by that or by that temptation. Why? Because they do not want to and they could care less. And so they give in to the temptation and enjoy that wicked pleasure for a season. Then those that try to fight it on their own strength and in the flesh, they try over and over and over again and they continue to fail because they're not following the great advice we can find in God's Word. Or, thirdly, they follow the example of the Lord Jesus over what I just read in verses 1 and 2. You know, an individual that's cold and backslidden and uncaring is a sad person. And you know, that can creep in and happen to a lot of believers. They just get to the point, I don't care. And I've talked to some people like that. Perhaps you've talked to some people like that. I have visited in the home with some people that I knew that they basically had thrown in the towel and given up. It's heartbreaking. It's tragic. It's sad. And they cave in to the ideas of the devil. And they listen to him. And they no longer want to be in the fight and try and do that which honors the Lord. Satan's encounter or the encounter that the Lord Jesus Christ had in the wilderness will show us how to handle temptation. Now I'll ask you a question. And I think we need to turn the searchlight on sometimes and I want to ask you this. How have you done in conquering temptation in your own life? How have you done? How are you doing? Is there a battle going on? Is there a weakness somewhere? Is there something you're dealing with and you're not dealing with it correctly? And it keeps coming and you keep caving. It doesn't have to be that way. You have to determine to not listen to the enemy. You have to determine to flee. You have to determine to walk away. You know what Satan's goal is? It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. Look with me quickly. Turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus told us this. He said in chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. But the devil, his objective is just the opposite. He wants to destroy you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to take and steal from you the joy, the happiness, the peace, the walk, the relationship that you have with Christ when you know that heart is where it should be and that that life is being lived like it should be. Um, we've had experiences, all of us, that have truly humbled us. 
and it's caused us to be embarrassed if we were caught in a circumstance or situation. And we need to understand that that is the fault of the devil, yes, but that is the fault of us for caving in, for giving in. Temptation can strike any person, any time, and any place. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to know, hey, look, where was Jesus? When you think about any person, number one, the Lord Jesus Christ had just come off being baptized. God, the Father speaking down, declaring, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And this is a pinnacle of time for Him. A great victory, a great uh, scene. Uh, there with John the Baptist and, and John the forerunners announcing that He is the Son of God. He is the one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to loosen. And so, it happened even to the Son of God that He was tempted. So it's not wrong to be tempted. We all know that. We understand that. We're going to be tempted daily with all kind of things. All type of circumstances. So it's not wrong to be tempted. But what's wrong is to what? To cave in. To give in. Therefore, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, you think about this. Um, some of your greatest temptations will come after some of the highest spiritual experiences that you've ever had. When you think you're on top of the world, and what does that remind you of? What verse in the Bible does that kind of cause you to think about? Things are going so well. We're feeling so good. Our confidence is so great. And then lo and behold, I do this. I commit this sin, this wrong, that wrong. Well, it thinks about, I think about pride. Uh, pride goeth before what? Destruction. Downfall. Failure. And pride will do that to you. And that's one of the big categories that we're going to look at in just a second. So it can happen to any person, any time, any place. Any place. Where was Jesus? He was in the wilderness. You know, some people, I've heard people say this. I work down there at that workplace. I'm telling you, there are filthy mouth people there. And I'm just sick of their dirty jokes. I'm sick of the language. I'm sick of the atmosphere. And I think I'm just going to quit that job and go out and find me another job in a better environment. Well, you'll probably wind up in a very similar environment again. I was a butcher for years. I cut meat for Giant Foods of America for five years. I think some of the dirtiest minded people were in that meat market. I had a lot of bad influence on me. And by the way, they knew I was a student at Free Will Baptist Bible College and they didn't curtail any of their language or any of their dirty jokes, or any of their dirty talk. And I'm not going to chase that rabbit, but I'm going to tell you something. I got hot under the collar a few times. I got so mad one time, I kind of blew my testimony. We had butcher knives in there about that long. You got to cut that side of beef, that quarter, that front quarter, that hind quarter. 
And we had this one guy, he was the dirtiest man. I'd already gone to the boss about three times. I said, Mr. Cantrell, I want you to tell that fella I'm sick and tired of that language. And he's cutting that meat and he's talking and he's cussing and he's taking my Lord's name in vain. And I'm over here and I'm picking up what he cut and I'm putting it in a tray and I'm putting it on a conveyor belt and I'm just getting fed up with it. And I'm telling you, now look, I'm only five, seven and a half. And then I weighed about 145, 50 pounds. That old boy stood about 6'3 and weighed about 250, 255 maybe. Big fella. I mean, it was dumb for me to even think about taking this dude on, okay? He's the kind of guy you run from, you don't punch on, okay? His last name was Morell. And I stopped one day and I said, Morell, I'm sick of your mouth. I'm sick of your language. And if you don't stop it, and I reached over there and I grabbed that butcher knife about this long. I said, I'm going to ram you with one of these things. Well, that nearly cost me my job. But it nearly cost him a kidney. <laughs> hey, look, I was hot. And uh, Mr. Moran, uh, Morell, Moran, where's Tom? <laughs> Mr. Morrell went to Mr. Cantrell and he, offered, he complained about me and I got written up, okay? But Mr. Mr. Cantrell said, way to go, buddy. Way to go. Put a little fear in him. And, uh, but, 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 but the deal is, he didn't assign me to work with him anymore. It was over by that man's request, not necessarily mine, you know? But it can happen in any place. What you got to learn to do is you got to learn to fight. All temptation is in three groups. It's in three groups. And the Bible so avidly tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. There is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every temptation you face will be one of these or a combination of these. And it could be one or two of them. And it can't even be three. Let's talk about lust of the flesh quickly. Lust of the flesh has to do with our passions. Our passions. Simply put, our passions involve those sins that we do with our bodies. Passions can include being out of control in your appetite and your actions in the areas of, get this now, food, there are people who have that problem. Sex, liquor, compulsive shopping. I don't have that problem, Peggy, do I? Um, just every now and then. And gambling, no problem there. Or even sleep or laziness or uncontrolled anger, your temper and violence. And the list goes on and on and on. In fact, you can fill in the blanks. Okay. Jesus had been led of the Spirit into the wilderness purposely to fast and draw closer to the Father. And of course, he was there by divine appointment of God. And when Satan said, make a God of your passions, you see these stones laying here, turn them into bread. After all, you've not eaten in 40 days. He experienced that temptation that there was... There was this uh, lust of the flesh 
And, and, and he saw it and could be made into food. And so the devil even worked on Jesus in that manner. And we experienced it too. Every sin is a perversion. The misuse and the abuse of something that normally is right and good. Satan was tempting Jesus and he'll tempt you. Just simply put, put your desires above the will of God and you're going to run into trouble. And I think that's a part of it. Here, I'll get to the point in a moment. I was going to jump ahead a little bit. Secondly, there's the lust of the eyes. You know what the lust of the eyes is? It's all about possessions. You see it, you like it, you desire it, you want it. Some people go as far as to what? If they want it bad enough, they don't have the money, what will they do? They'll steal it. They'll take it. I, you know, I've dealt with it in school. We've had students that they wanted it, they'd steal it. We had a boy years ago. It was the craziest thing. I hadn't been here too long. He brought a bunch of baseball cards to school. And he was wheeling and dealing. And uh, they were his. And he sold them. And before the day was over, he sold them. And he found where they were being stored and he stole them back. He really didn't want to give them up. What he wanted was what? Do re me. He was slick. And we found them in his book bag. And we gave them back to the rightful owner. But it, lust of the eyes can be possessions. And then the pride of life can be personhood. That is, this group of temptations, they fall into the category of an assault upon your being or who you are or your personhood, as we say sometimes. It can take the form of wanting authority, wanting attention or power or respect or being somebody, somebody that you're not and not should be. Let me give you some principles. We'll close. Four principles to live by. How Jesus overcame the temptation by the devil. Write these down. Number one is by sonship. Sonship. You must be a child of God. Being born again is your very first start and your first step. And that's true of everybody in this room, I'm sure, tonight. And so... Jesus became the Son of Man that we might become the sons of God. And Jesus was born a, of a virgin that we might be born again. And He shows us not how to overcome Satan as God would, but He shows us how to overcome Satan as man should. Okay? He did it in a manly fashion. And that's what we need to understand. And the great thing is here, greater is he that is what? In you than he that is in this old world. And when Jesus Christ is in us, we need to love him, obey him, adore him, and serve him, and build a relationship with him. We're to love him more than any else, anyone else. Number two, by submission. You must be willing to, the key is obey Him. Obey God. 
in every circumstance, in every situation. You say, Brother Sloan, this temptation is too great. No, no. You can be victorious. Who do you love? Who do you care about? Who are you possessed with? You have the Holy Spirit guiding and helping you. You know what? We underestimate how great that gift is. I don't want to live my life not one day without the Holy Spirit. But if for some reason God wanted to show us something and took the Holy Spirit from us, you would realize then not having that Spirit and pricking your conscience and helping you to know and understand right from wrong. I thank God for the wooing and the working of the Holy Spirit. Jesus first in our life. So we must learn to obey Him. And then number three, by spiritual endowment. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And again, I've talked about that and expounded upon that, the greatness that that truly is. But then the last thing, what tool did Jesus Christ use there in the wilderness against the devil? What did he use again and again and again? Brother Willie, he used the scripture. It is written. It is written. It is said in God's word that you should and you must resist. You must flee. And so Jesus used it as a tool. Those are the four points. Those are the four things on that screen that enable us and help us to be under the Spirit's control. I read this many, many years ago um, in a little booklet that Lester Roloff put out. Great little booklet down there in Corpus Christi, Texas. And he said that it's important for the mind over the body over the spirit. And that the mind, the body, and spirit mesh together to the upbuilding of making us what we should be. Living pure, living godly, living separated lives. Now not everybody in this room probably needed this tonight. But there may be someone out there at home. There may be someone here that needs this. But stay on guard. The devil hates our guts. You understand that? He hates you. But who does he hate more than us? Huh? He hates God. The devil hates God. Cast out of heaven. You know the story in the book of Ezekiel. Other places in the Bible. And the best way for him to get at God is to get through to who? You and me. That's the reason the battle is so great. He never quits. It's really not fair. He's alert, awake, and working 24-7. You and I have got to have some rest. We get tired. We get weary. And so the battle is very, very unfair. But there's an equalizer. Praise the Lord for an equalizer. That equalizer is the precious Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. Thank God tonight that He's on our side, helping us through every trial, every problem, every difficulty, every temptation.